Hey guys, I'm Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. It's great to be with you. Happy Mother's Day. I was talking to a mom after the last service who had, you know, her entire family, a few generations with her in worship. And she said, um, it's so great to have them here with us. Can't, can't we just do Mother's Day every weekend? So um, she declared that every, every Sunday is Mother's Day. So um, take that for what it's worth. So glad that you guys are, are here to worship. I think one of the reasons that maybe um, some of these mothers, this, this lady in particular was, she had, you know, like this image of, of what we just did, you know, like worshiping and that that is our, like our job and it is our life when we are in the presence of Jesus. Um, one day that will be what we do. And I, I think she was wanting to be able to do that with her, with her family as well. Um, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you for this gift of, um, of practicing um, what it means to, to bow before you, to bow before the throne, to proclaim that you are worthy of it all. Your son, Jesus, is worthy of all the glory and all the honor, every bit that we, that we bring today and more, more than we have. And so we are humble before you today, God. We have signs in our lives that reveal to us that you are a God who provides for his children. And on this Mother's Day, we are grateful for the women through whom you brought us into this world. For many of us, that same woman showed us the ropes, how to not only survive in this world, but how to thrive and how to soar, and how to be kind and loving, how to forgive and offer grace. For some of us, it was, it was a different woman who played that role in our lives. Maybe a grandmother, a church member, a stepmother, a neighbor. We name those women right now, God. We just take a moment, name them in our hearts. Thank you, God. You call us and invite us to bring our whole true selves before you in our prayer and in our worship. And so we recognize that for some of us, this is the best Mother's Day ever. For others of us, it's hard. And really for all of us, it's kind of all of those things, right? Ultimately, God, we are grateful for the women who pointed us to you. We honor them today as they honored you with their lives. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna celebrate something with you uh, really quickly here. Uh, you know, we're winding down the school year right here in our community. And uh, one thing that our outreach ministry has been involved in is a couple weeks ago, several of you guys stayed after worship and on Sunday afternoon and put a bunch of uh, things together, some gifts together. And then this last week, we went over to Rutland Elementary School right next door. We took coffee and donuts and like these little snack bags. Like not much, right? Like a pretty basic thing. And as we just kind of went up and down the, the hallways and let the teachers come out and kind of take a break from the classroom, even just for a moment and get a cup of coffee, you would have thought that we were bringing pots of gold to these teachers. It was amazing. And so as they came out, you know, we were just encouraging them, you know, you're almost there. You're going to make it. You can do it, guys. You're amazing. Thank you for loving, loving the kids. And I uh, hope to just kind of give them a little bit of a boost there towards the end of the school year. Here's a picture of the Rutland teachers. Um, 
We also went to Gladeville Middle School and Gladeville Elementary School as well. They received lays to get them ready for summer, you know, like summer vibes as well. Uh, so another thing that happened is, um, you know those um, little frozen icy trucks that go around town and like cause chaos everywhere they go, um, <laughs> doing great business in town? Did you know there's a coffee version of that? Like, it's a coffee truck that drives around town. I know, I had the same. <laughs> I was like, somebody saw my dreams and made them come true. <laughs> Driving around town. So we got the coffee truck to go over to Barry Tatum Academy, which we're connected with in Lebanon. And it's kind of the alternative school for, for our, our community. And they do all kinds of great, great things, but have kind of just been under the radar for so many years. And um, all the teachers received coffee. There was still some coffee left over. So they drove the truck over to the, where an English, an ESL, English second language class was being taught for adults. And they were invited out to come get some coffee. And some of them didn't even have the English yet to be able to say thank you, but you can see it on their faces, right? It was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. In fact, um, I just want to, I want to share this with you. This is a, a little note that, that came in um, from one of the teachers at Barry Tatum Academy. And just kind of over and over again, we're just hearing like, been here for 30, you know, some of them have been doing this for 30 years and just never um, like seen this kind of a blessing. And she just said, thank you for being Jesus to us all. So I just want to thank you, church, for being Jesus um, to all these places in our community. Even if you weren't there, you're a part of that. You're giving, your, your prayers, your, your, your presence, and all those things are a part of this amazing ministry uh, in our community. So thank you for, thanks for being a part of all that. Um, now, like these teachers who are nearing the end of the school year and are maybe feeling like they're just about done, right? They don't have much left. I wonder if there's anyone here who, even though you came in with a smile on your face today, somewhere like underneath that, like deep down, you're like, I'm tired. <laughs> it's, it's May, you know, we've got all these things going on. We've got, you know, maybe graduations or end of year parties or different things that are happening. And we're just kind of like getting to summer because it's out there, right? Like summer's like right there and we're trying to, to push through. And some of you may have this sense like, I love God so much that I just want to be able to just live for him 24 hours a day, but I don't really feel like I have the power to be able to do that. I don't even have the power some days just to get to the end of the day with the things I'm checking off my list for the day, right? If that's you, then this verse I wanna start with today is probably for you. This is Acts chapter one, verse eight. Jesus said to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you will receive power. That verse is where we're gonna end up today. So what I wanna do is kind of back up and say, um, how, how does Jesus get us there? How does Jesus get us to that place where we are ready and able to receive the power that he wants to give to us? Um, you guys remember Easter? It's like, not really, I mean, it sounds like a trick question, but like, do you remember Easter? You know, if I like went through all the things that have happened in the world since Easter, we'd be like, was that this year? You know, or you could kind of list things that have happened in, in your life since that time. And you might just be like, Easter, what? <laughs> I don't remember that. That was five weeks ago. Easter was five weeks ago. That might be surprising to some of you. Depending on your pace of life right now, you might, that might seem like a long time ago, or it might seem like yesterday to you. But you know, after the, the original Easter, it's actually, there's just one Easter and we just like celebrate it over and over, right? So after the, the original Easter, there were six weeks of time that passed between the resurrection of Jesus 
and his return to heaven. We call it the ascension. We'll be talking about that, that next week as well. And isn't it cool that we can know that? <laughs> like that's actually a fact that we know the time frame between the resurrection and the ascension of, of Jesus into heaven. The reason that we know that is because it's framed by these festivals that already existed at the time. We talked about around Easter, we talked about the Passover festival. It was a, a Jewish festival um, that was practiced every single year. And it was why there were so many people in Jerusalem when, when Jesus was crucified. And then the, it's also framed by Pentecost at the, at the end of the season. So in this first Easter season, there were all these reports of Jesus showing up between Passover and Pentecost and, and the Ascension. Over, over 500 people saw the risen Jesus during that time. Now the leaders at the time, the authorities and the rulers, they were trying to tamp it down because this was not good news for, for them because they had tried to kill this guy. But all these reports just kept coming in. Can you imagine living in a time when there are regularly reports of Jesus showing up can you imagine that? Like, like, that, like you were hearing this, like you, you, you'd go over to your neighbor and they'd be like, Jesus showed up. You'd be talking to somebody at church or somebody at work and talking about how Jesus showed up to you. Well, I'm just here to tell you today that we are living in such a time. We are living in such a time when Jesus shows up. You may have not known that, but let me tell you, if you stick around here, you're gonna know it. Jesus is showing up in our time. Don't you think that the teachers at Barry Tatum Academy and at Rutland Elementary and the Gladeville schools as well, don't you think that they noticed when Jesus showed up through the church the other day in the last couple of weeks? Even if they didn't know that it was Jesus showing up through the church, they saw Jesus. They saw evidence that Jesus is alive. He still shows up. That's why the teacher took a moment to, to write a note to us and say, thank you for being Jesus in our school. Don't you think that 40 young people that were up here for confirmation a, a couple weeks ago, giving their lives to Jesus, don't you think Jesus showed up during that process, during the confirmation as they were, they were learning ab about who Jesus is? Jesus still shows up. Today, we're starting a three-week kind of preparation for a really special Sunday at the end of May. The last Sunday in May is Pentecost Sunday. That's the festival I, I talked to you about. But for us, it means something else. It means something, something different because Pentecost is when God sent his Holy Spirit and the church was born. Now, it's, like a, it's a holiday for the church, and so, but you won't see cards or commercials about this holiday in the church. I know it's kind of strange. You might, I mean, you could, if you dug deep, you might be able to find a card somewhere, a Pentecost card. But it's gonna be really difficult because this has been kind of like an under the radar operation all along, which is actually the best way that it operates. It's kind of covert. It's the birthday of a movement that was kindled and spread through the world like wildfire. And we are still a part of that movement that is happening today. It was the day that God first poured out his spirit on his people. And so what we're gonna do here at Providence Church is we will pray for and anticipate God doing it again. God did it once. God continues to pour out his spirit on us and we're asking God, pour out your Holy Spirit in a powerful way upon your church. I prayed recently with a, a two-year-old little girl um, she was heading off to her third heart surgery in her two years of life. 
And so I was sitting down with her and her family and we were, we were praying together as we had done all of the other times and other times during her story. And so as we, as we talked and before we prayed, we remembered that God had shown up all those other times. Remember how God had gotten them through some really, really difficult things. And so we read together Psalm 126. This is it from the message version, just hear this. It seemed like a dream, too good to be true, when God returned to Zion's exiles. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. They said about us, God was wonderful to them. And God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. Now hear this part. And now, God, do it again. Why would we say that? Why would we say now, God, do it again? We would say that because we've seen him work in the past and right now we need help. So they said, do it again, God. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives so those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. That little two-year-old girl, um, they're planning on her being able to come, come back home this next week. <laughs> and can you imagine the parents feeling the armloads arm of blessing? Because God, God did it again. So and this is going to sound like a guilt trip thing here. And I'm, I'm really I'm not that kind of preacher, I, I promise. But I just, just want to like preface what I'm saying. This is gonna, it might sound like a guilt trip. So I said Pentecost Sunday is Memorial, I mean, is the last weekend of May, which is Memorial Weekend. Okay, so I know that's like a holiday on top of a holiday. That's it's gonna be, it's gonna be stressful, I know. But what I'm saying to you, not, not a guilt trip, but what I'm saying to you is that we really want you to be here on Pentecost. We want you to come and, and to worship with us or online if, if, that's, if that's where you're worshiping with us. We want you here because together we want to ask God to do it again. So we're going to kind of walk through this, this first, the first eight verses of the first chapter of Acts. So if you've got your Bible with you, um, we're going to kind of walk through it for the, the rest of our time together. And you might want to um, um, highlight some things. So here, here it is. Here's how it starts out. Uh, in my former book, Theophilus. I'm already going to pause. Sorry about that. But so uh, in my form, the former book is the gospel of Luke. So the same guy who wrote the gospel of Luke wrote Acts, a kind of continuation of, of the story. And this Theophilus is probably, uh, people think that maybe like a wealthy guy who is kind of bankrolling the writing of these books. So what that did is it gave uh, Luke an opportunity to uh, go and study and investigate and ask questions of people who were really there for all these things that he lays out in Luke and in Acts. So he says, in my former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. That was the gospel of Luke. Until the day he was taken up to heaven. So we're getting a little preview that Jesus is going to ascend here. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Now, this for the disciples is like the rubber meets the road moment that they might not have been ready for, but they've been walking around with Jesus. They'd seen him teaching. They'd seen him performing miracles. And now it's time. It's kind of like a transition moment for them. Something is happening. They're being invited into something else. So what is he giving them instructions for? What were Jesus's expectations of his disciples? Let's keep reading. Verse three, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs, like firsthand evidence, that he was alive. 
Why is this so important? Why, why would Jesus spend so much time focusing on letting them know? He's standing in front of them, right? Why is he trying to convince them that he is, is alive? Because people would doubt the resurrection for the rest of time, still today. But those who believe would carry on the mission. And he needed his disciples to know that his resurrection was real. Ultimately, these guys were gonna give up their lives for the fact that Jesus was resurrected. It was vitally important to their mission and their purpose in life. So as modern day believers that we are today, it is vitally important for us as well. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is why we're here. It's why we exist. It's why we can have life when we walk around in this world of death. Because if the resurrection is it, if it's like the central thing in the story, the central thing in our story, the central thing in human history, then the book of Acts is actually like the second act, <laughs> which by the way, we are still a part of today. The book of Acts is the answer to the question of every disciple who has witnessed and professed the resurrection of Jesus. And that question is, what now? So Jesus is alive, <laughs> so now what? And some of you are wondering, what does the resurrection have to do with my life? And Jesus, well, he was not like secretive about this at all, but he kind of kept having to repeat it several times because this is a big deal and it's, it's central to everything. So we get a clue here in the next verse. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Here for me is like another proof that Jesus did raise from the dead because Jesus, when he, before he died, was always talking about the kingdom of God. If you read the gospels, you'll see it. He's always saying like, there's another reality that's right at hand and God is going to reign um, over this, this world. It's coming, it's right at hand. There's a new kind of kingdom and he kept talking about it. He kept giving examples of what it looked like and felt like because it just is so foreign to us. And then here he is resurrected, still talking about the kingdom of God. Next verse, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. What's Jesus talking about here? He's saying to them, don't leave town. Like everything in you is gonna say, I gotta get out of here. Right? Jesus had, had, had been killed. There's all this controversy that's happening. Even though he, he's walking around with him, he, after he leaves again, they're going to want to go underground. And he says, hold on. Just wait right here. Everyone around you is going to say, get out. There's nothing for you here. It might be, might be rough. It might be dangerous if you stay in town. But Jesus says, hold on. Wait. Because a gift is coming. And it is going to be worth the wait. It's the completion of your baptism. They were baptized with water. Now you're gonna be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the baptism is where you have your calling and your purpose and it's about to be made complete because I'm sending you power of the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 16, Jesus said to his disciples, very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Like the absence of Jesus is necessary and his disciples are kind of having to, to live with that. So can you kind of sense like the anxiety they might've been having at that, at that moment? You know, they already lost him once. 
And now they're getting to spend this time with him, like a second chance with Jesus. He's resurrected, walking around with him, and he says I, he's, he's, letting, he's preparing them for his, his departure to go be in, in heaven. I think that the anxiousness that they felt, and maybe we feel as we hear this story, would lead to this question that the disciples asked. They said, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? The funny thing about this is Jesus never really said that he was coming to restore a, an earthly kingdom. He said he was going to restore the temple. He talked about that and, and Zion and Revelation talks about a new Jerusalem. But the kingdom that is coming is not an earthly kingdom. And the disciples had a really hard time grasping that. And you know what? I do too sometimes. It's really complicated. It's hard to get reoriented to a completely different reality, but that's what Jesus is doing to us. The kingdom of God is different than the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of God is above all the kingdoms of this world. And with all due respect, the kingdom of God is not awaiting a coronation of a king. <laughs> we already have a king. So his, to his disciples, he says, the only way you'll begin to understand is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So hang on a bit, hold on a little bit longer, soon, soon, it won't be long, like we just sang. Verse seven, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. In other words, don't worry about marking this down on your calendar, instead, anticipate it every single day for the rest of your life. When we do, every day will be like a little Pentecost for us. I mentioned that the resurrection of Jesus is the central historic act of our faith. Well, here's the second act in a nutshell. Verse eight again, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The second act is disciples empowered by the Spirit of God to witness to the work of God in Jesus Christ. You see, we can't do it on our own, church. Like the sooner that we like really come to terms with that, the, the better uh, it's going to be. We cannot do it on our own. We need power from above. We're like the disciples who are waiting for Pentecost, and just like the disciples were waiting for Jesus to come back, we have received the Holy Spirit. We are in the same act of the story as the disciples in the book of Acts and throughout history. So what do we do? What is it that we are to do? I'll ask it this way. What or who is the Holy Spirit empowering us to witness about? I'll go ahead and actually like invite you to answer that question. What or who is the Holy, is, is, is the Holy Spirit empowering us to witness about. Anyone? It's like the easiest answer. If somebody asks you a question in church, 90% of the time it's going to be Jesus. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't hard. <laughs> we are given power to witness to Jesus. Well, what about Jesus? We witness to the fact that he was the son of God, that he walked around on this earth, that he performed miracles, he taught, he went to the cross and died for us on the cross. Yes, yes, those are things that we are called to witness to about Jesus. But what was Jesus so eager to prove to his disciples here in Acts chapter one? His aliveness. <laughs> he was trying to prove to his disciples that he was alive. You're called to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. 
that sounds kind of simple, right? <laughs> That's what we're called to do is to live a life that points to the fact that Jesus is alive and the Holy Spirit gives us power way beyond our capacity to do so. So the next question is, is where are we called to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive? The territory that Jesus gives us in this, this short passage is kind of mind-boggling. He says, hey, uh, the town you're in right now, that's the place you're called to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. And he's like, you know, that, that region that you're living in, that's the place you're called to witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. And then the region next door to that region, go ahead and, and, and proclaim that Jesus is alive there. And then, you know what, the whole world <laughs> to the ends of the earth. And if that seems like a really big mission field to you, it is, but consider this. <laughs> this is the where and the when right now. Where we are in this time, God is doing it even now. God is actually doing what Jesus invited his disciples to do, to witness to the ends of the earth. It's happening right now. In recent weeks, we have had people joining us online for worship from Alaska. Hey, Alaska, good to see you guys. Thanks for worshiping with us. We have had people worshiping online with us from Africa, from Costa Rica, Portugal, even the United Kingdom, which I think is really cool because we're actually part of a movement that came out of England, and now we're in a position to be able to witness back to the fact that Jesus is alive to the United Kingdom. Isn't that cool? It's amazing stuff. And that's just little old Providence Church. You know, we're up here on this little hill in Mount Juliet. Like nobody knows where Mount Juliet is, but we're like, oh, it's basically Nashville. It's next door to, you know, like we have to explain where we are. It's just this little old place, right? This little old church that has an online pastor, an online presence, an online team of folks back there that are making it happen so that people all over the world can see the witness to the fact that Jesus is alive. Like, it's amazing what happens here at Providence Church, but it's exponentially bigger than that. It's happening all over the world. This is just a little tiny bit of it. And Jesus said, to the ends of the earth. So where do we start? Let's talk about Jerusalem for a moment. We actually just had a team of people who are probably sleeping right now. They just got back from the Holy Land. They were actually physically there. But when we hear those words, we're, and we're not sitting in Jerusalem, we got to say, oh, that's kind of like a metaphor for home, for where I am right now. Jerusalem is, becomes that for us. And I can tell you for sure that I don't have what it takes, like in my little Jerusalem right now, to be like the best husband in the world. I don't, I don't, amen to that one? <laughs> I, I don't have what it takes to be like this great, awesome dad, or even like a great son to my, to my parents. I try, you know, but I need the power of the Holy Spirit to witness to the goodness of God in each place that God has planted me. So I'm just gonna ask you, how is your Jerusalem project going right now? And what's powering your project right now? Like, is it your awesomeness? You are awesome people. Like, is it your like, ability? Is it your strength? Or is it the power, are you allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to function in your Jerusalem project right now? Maybe you wanna join in actively waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's kind of what we're doing over the next, next few weeks, just kind of anticipating with our hearts set to like God showing up and doing it again and giving us that kind of a power. But I wanna invite you, it's like permission here. I wouldn't normally say this, but I wanna give you permission to wait impatiently. Okay, like we don't normally say that, right? But I think this is one of those 
one of those cases where you can say, if we have impatient hearts, we're going to be looking for the Holy Spirit. <laughs> we're not going to be complacent. Here's what I mean. Jesus told his disciples, and he tells us um, to wait. So how does that feel to you? Like how, how does it feel, just in general, are you good at waiting? Are you impatient? Go ahead and impatient people in the room. Got a little, just a little, not many. That's good. That's good. I'm really proud of you guys. I also think it's actually great if you are impatient because <laughs> Jesus didn't say to wait patiently. In the Greek language, you might know this, there are tenses that are embedded in the words themselves. And so the word for wait is actually an active verb. That seems counterintuitive, right? It's an active word. So Jesus didn't say, hey, take a nap. He also didn't say, try and invent something all on your own. He said, actively wait for the Holy Spirit. You'll have everything you need to reach the ends of the earth. So for this week, we're going to kind of pause right here in the story. Pastor Jacob will pick it up um, next week. But I actually just, I'm just going to steal one verse from next week, okay? So don't, tell, don't tell Pastor Jacob. I'm, I just want to borrow this verse for us because I want it, it kind of like highlights the posture of waiting for us, waiting for the Pentecost, waiting for the Holy Spirit to come and bring the church to life. Here it is, verse 9. Here's what happened next. After Jesus said all these things, he was taken up before their eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Can you imagine this scene? I love to, I love to imagine. I'm, I'm assuming it's like the disciples, like one minute he's right there, the next minute he's up there. And until he's like hidden by the cloud, I'm assuming they're looking at the bottom of his feet. <laughs> Jesus is ascending into heaven and you know, they're, they're looking up and I'm guessing like they just heard a lot of stuff. They're processing. There's a lot to process there, right? So they're, they're looking up at the bottom of Jesus's feet and they're like, when, when's he going to come back? When's, when's that Holy Spirit thing going to come? When is the kingdom of God just going to be like so evident all around us? And I wonder like who the first disciple was in that moment to kind of get a crick in his neck and say, and kind of look back down and say, oh, we're still here. We're waiting for the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do the things that Jesus told us to do. So they didn't keep looking up for long because Jesus was calling them into something. I just, I, I love this scene. I, I treasure it. He told us to be witnesses. And I wonder if Paul maybe kind of had that scene in mind as well when he wrote these words to the church in Ephesus. He said, he has put all things under his feet. He has made him, God has made Jesus the head over all things for the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You know, the disciples in these days between Easter and, and Pentecost, they were palling around with Jesus again. <laughs> they saw him like he was right there. So for them to be able to witness to the fact that Jesus was alive, all they had to do was point. <laughs> He's right here. <laughs> He's alive. But then they come to this moment where Jesus says, I'm going away, but I'm sending you power. And you're going to be the body of Jesus in this world. You are going to be witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. How will people at Barry Tatum and Rutland Elementary and, and all around the world know that Jesus is alive through you? Because you are going to receive power and you are called to be witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. So I wanna invite you to wait with me impatiently over these next few weeks. 
knowing that Jesus is returning. He promised to return to us and he has already sent the Holy Spirit to be with us. We're post-Pentecost, right? We, are, we have the Holy Spirit that is present with us and we're praying together, God, would you send an outpouring of it even more that we might experience your power, that we might be able to be full-time witnesses to the fact that Jesus is alive. Would you pray with me? God, send us that power. Send us the strength to do what we cannot do on our own. We thank you for the gift that we have in Jesus Christ. Not that we have some historical record of something that happened long, a long time ago, but that the resurrection impacts our lives today because Jesus is alive. May our lives witness to that fact everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, amen.